Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined as always by Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. And we are looking at Tuesday night's games here in the NBA. Got three games on the slate. In this video, we're bringing you our best bets from each of these. Also have a player props video only up for you guys. So make sure to like and subscribe to that page and continue to follow along with us throughout this postseason. Also want you to head to thelines.com. You can check out all of the great written content we have up there, including all these picks that we are putting on the site, as well as use that odds finder tool that we have for you guys. You can make sure that you're getting the best odds available to you from all of these bets, giving us these books, rather, giving us bets in the NBA this postseason. Nate, let's jump right into your first uh, pick of the night here on Tuesday night. Yeah, of course I'm going to talk about the Celtics here, mainly because I wish we did a Saturday show so I could have correctly predicted that they were going to smash the Hawks. <clears throat> now it's a different story, though. In Game 2, of course, you get a little bounce back, even against a team the Celtics have beaten six times in a row here. Uh, so what I like actually is over, even though the Cavs are only that Hawks were hold, held to 99. Uh, I like over 229 for the game, and I like over on the Hawks total, in fact, more. Uh, for them to get 109, Celtics total is at 120, which is very high in a playoff game. Not saying that's impossible. I mean, they in the last two regular season, they averaged 127. Against these Hawks, they had 74 in the first half uh, on Saturday. And then, of course, human nature, they let up. So they only scored 38 in the second half. That game was played at a 100 pace, much faster than a lot of playoff games we've seen. Boston only 13 threes um, uh, on 13 for 33. Not a great percentage necessarily. That's something when they've played the Hawks that they've done much better at. It's also a bellwether for the Celtics' success offensively is assists and threes. And his last two regular season, again, 34 assists. 22 and a half threes against the Hawks. One of those was just with the, the Celtics C team too. So it's just a schematic issue for this Hawks defense, which let's, let's face it is bad against everybody. Uh, but especially when you have three big guards coming at you from the jump, Derek White being inserted into the starting lineup uh, who, you know, Derek White in his last two against the Hawks has a 164 offensive rating and Tatum and Jalen haven't even been as efficient as they could be. Um, so that obviously explains why the, the Celtics have more points to be scored here. They score a ton at home. They went over 25 and 16 at home. So why are the Hawks going to be able to score more uh, after being uh, <coughs> gotten the clamps in game one? Trey Young was awful. He was he's 16 points, five turnovers, five field goals. It's a bit of a hangover after finally getting past the Miami Heat, which have had his number. Uh, he, the, he's been pretty good against the Celtics though. 31 points a game, nine and a half assists his last four regular season against them. Uh, so good offensively, but he's a minus 42 because he is a, a sieve defensively as well. So more Trey, I don't think Quinn Snyder can pull him off the floor, even though the reason they were able to come back and make the game, you know, sort of within single digits for a minute, uh, is because he went more to, Bogdan Bogdanovich and, and Sadiq Bey and smaller lineups because John Collins, you know, has had a lot of trouble dealing with Tatum because just the, these Hawks, these bigger Hawks lineups are just not working against the spread you out Celtics. So I am looking at Bogdanovich, uh, 11 and a half points is his prop to play a bigger role here. Him and Bay combined for 44 points. 
uh, on 61% shooting at Chicago in basically a playoff game near the end of the season there for playing position. So that's why I expect them to score more because those guys are more offensive-minded than I think DeAndre Hunter or John Collins if they're getting minutes at their expense. And I don't really need to point out why the Atlanta defense is vulnerable. I mean, their, their games have averaged 245 under Quinn Snyder. They played at the fourth fastest pace. Uh, so clearly there's a possibility for an over even in the playoffs here. Yeah, the the Quinn Snyder led Hawks are, are somewhat way in some ways similar to Boston in terms of go pace, space, and and deep balls. Uh and, and really like a lot of guys have the green light to shoot it if they want to. And I think the guys that yeah, if if they're not gonna be able to hang with the Celtics on offense the way that they weren't with the guys around Trey, uh then yeah, then I, I would I would expect that they're gonna continue to k- keep more offensive lineups out there against this Boston team. Um and, and make the the over definitely feel a, a lot better. I mean we, we kinda liked it in the first game. Like you said, we didn't get a chance to talk about the video where we were just said really Boston's gonna come out and smash them uh, and maybe there's an opportunity for you know for, for Atlanta to keep things a bit closer but I, I mean I would argue that like you said if anything Boston's going to regress up you know upward really progress uh, to a bit more offense there so uh, I'm gonna move on to my first pick here Nate uh, and obviously we both probably spend a little bit more time analyzing each of the teams that we care about what happens to them as you took the Celtics uh, game with your first pick there and I'm talking about the Knicks and the Cavs again here in game two where the Knicks won 101 uh, in that first game on Saturday and and I felt good about it until the first half actually I felt good about the Knicks winning that game going into it uh, until the first half uh, because of you know what Jalen Brunson got hurt Um, but if anything I think there's going to be a little bit more progression for the Knicks which is kind of why I'm leading with uh, a tease here and and I know you're going to make fun of me as I often do with you for the tease but I'm going to say that the if you tease the Knicks up to nine and a half and you tease that total to go under so you tease it up to 217 and a half so you can get under that um, and that's minus 110 on, on DraftKings which is about the same uh it's about one minus 115 actually for taking the knicks uh you know just taking that spread at at five right now or five and a half depending on where you find it but i I do just want to get a little bit extra there and and actually just put another half unit on it include you know make it about one and a half in terms of the level of confidence that i have on it um you know adding a a few more there because i I mean i'll feel really safe with that i think one of my biggest things here for the knicks is that they played incredible defense um and so did the Cavs. and and you know you were also making the point that there's not great shooters on the floor uh, for either of these teams. And, and that's in part because uh, on purpose for the Knicks who, who played Josh Hart nearly 33 minutes in this game coming off the bench. And I, you're going to get a lot more of that. I, he took a lot of Quickly's minutes and Grimes is the primary defender on Donnie Mitchell. So I don't know that Quickly's going to really find too many minutes in there. You, you also saw Isaiah, Isaiah Hartenstein out there uh, gobbling up some of those minutes as well that quickly would have gotten, which I'm, the main point I'm making about not having quickly in there is that, that the offense is definitely more stagnant for the Knicks who do not pass the ball in, in, you know, in order to get points. Um, they really pass the ball to just get one of their guys open to, to, uh, to have it be a, a, a one-on-one scenario for them, which at this point is predominantly going to be you know Jalen Brunson, who's called upon for that uh, with Julius Randle a little bit injured and just a better option like JB is a better one-on-one option uh, makes better decisions down the stretch and stuff like that so I, I, you'll continue I, the other thing about him is he wasn't able to play much in the first half picking up those fouls too quickly um, and then that led him to, to only be out there for nine minutes when they were without him um, you know you were the one pointed out how bad they were in without him in there uh, shooting about 40% from the field as a team uh, which is you know the only reason that he wasn't even out there for as many as he was like I said with the fouls so he, he should be back out there to play a lot more and keep that 
that those percentages up for the Knicks just by his, his presence alone, plus being the one who takes the majority of the shots, considering he took about 40% of the shots when he was on the court in this game with uh, nearly a 40% usage rate uh, in the fourth quarter that actually went up. So, uh, you know, there was some bad shooting in this one. I do think there's the opportunity to have a little bit more. That's why I'm a little bit, you know, tentative to just confidently say under 213 and a half. I know there's reasons uh, from, from the past matchups to think that that might be the case, but the Knicks had 40, uh, excuse me, 58 field goals uncontested in that game, uh, meaning there's nobody within four feet of them, and they only shot that the ball at a, a 40% clip in those situations. Um, Cleveland, on the other hand, only had about 45 uncontested shots. The Knicks were a lot tighter on them, uh, as they also you know have limited options on offense in terms of creators, and Darius Garland was good, but obviously Donnie Mitchell is just who they're going to ride. I mean, he had 30 shots in that game uh, once again, so you know it, I think you can rely on, on the Knicks defense being able to handle that, that type of offense if you're not going to be more creative than that, uh, and so I feel, you know, I, I do feel good about them winning, but I'm just going to put a, a decent amount on a, a little added cushion there with the tease. Yeah, I just don't think you need to tease in this situation. Like, the game theory is solid. The Knicks are good enough defensively to keep this within five points. Um, and and the under is like, I, I, I think the under is very, very likely here. You say people missed open shots. I say the other team gave them open shots and Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell continued to hit circus shots because that's all these teams have to go on offensively when they're facing a good defense. I mean, that's the way the Knicks played defense that the entire second half was giving up a high percentage from three and packing it in. Um, and, and that was successful against the Cavs team, which, you know, teams have have dared those guys to shoot Okoro, Mobley, whoever else is out there. Like, can you beat us? Um We'll let Donovan Mitchell get 40 points and you still might only have 100, you know, if, if they can get there. So I just think you can go plus five and under confidently at plus 260 and not necessarily use the tease, which is weird because I, I'm always the guy saying, let's play it safe. Let's go teaser. Um, but I'm going to move us on here to the Phoenix Suns and Clippers game, which is definitely going to be one to watch. Um, very interesting game one that the Clippers were able to grind out here. I think we all expect the Suns to win game two. And so I'm trying to approach this from the mentality of how does that happen? And it's a really a pretty safe parlay here. Four legs. I mean, Suns money line, Kevin Durant, 25, Book, 25, DeAndre Ayton, 10 rebounds. That might be the one that scares you. Because, I mean, there's no way, win or lose, those guys are not scoring 25 points. The Suns just have... No other offense. They both played about 45 minutes in game one. Huge usage rate. Book had, you know, a kind of an uncharacteristic mix-ups and, and mess-ups down the stretch with Westbrook uh, taking his lunch. I mean, he claims he was fouled. He probably was. I think he comes back out and is pretty sharp here. And, the, I mean, the fact that Aiton gets 10 boards is just so necessary because they were just – they gave up offensive rebounds down the stretch, and that's how they lost the game. Um, he needs to to they need to slip back into their very defined roles, which we saw in those like first three games with Kevin Durant, where they looked unbeatable. Right. It was very clear. KD draws the defense book, kills him on the weak side. CP3 organizes DeAndre rebounds. And in five of the first seven with Durant, he had double digit boards. He does, you know, average about 10 boards a game his last 10 against LAC uh, career best, 27 percent defensive rebound rate. This year, and the Clippers did allow the third most rebounds per game on the road after the All Star break. So, 
their offense, you know, with with Westbrook continuing to have that false floor of confidence shooting the ball, I, there should be a lot of good shots, uh, good good opportunities to rebound. I think Kawhi is too tired to score 38 again in back to back. I think they accomplished their goal here in Phoenix, and other teams might get greedy, try to go up 2-0. I think the Clippers are, you know, not necessarily going to be in that mode. And Durant is is just, you know, not one field goal down the stretch for nine minutes because Kawhi was able to be God on, on both sides of the ball. I don't think Kawhi can do that to him again. I don't think Durant's going to accept that again. I mean, he averaged nearly 36 a game the last time he played Kawhi and the Clippers when he was with the Warriors in 2019. So I, I honestly think you can get more bullish and say KD 30 plus. I'm just not quite sure mm-hmm. whether it's KD or Book who gets the 30 here. I think they combine for 60. You can find those specials somewhere too. But what I'm saying here is the game is those guys are going to score a bunch, and that's got to be the recipe for the Suns to win. Yeah, I like it, and, and that's why I'm, I was playing around with some of the same game parlay stuff while you were talking to see how we might be able to finagle that so I don't have to feel so scared about DeAndre and getting 10 rebounds in that game because Zubox, a.k.a. White Wilt, looked like a man-child out there, uh, mm-hmm. possessed, and, and and was definitely limiting in terms of what uh, Aiton was able to see. Uh, I, I would juice the points, basically. I, I would up those a bit, and, and I think Booker is a good bet. I think Kawhi is still going to be doing Kawhi stuff on KD, and that's who who's going to be spending the majority of the time on him. KD's a better scorer, right? One of, one of, if not the greatest scorer that we've ever seen. At the same time, uh, there's one guy, maybe ever, <laughs> who who has the opportunity to, to bang with him enough to be able to limit him to under 30 points. Um, but yeah, any way that you want to sort of juke those things together with the Suns' money line, I like it. Um, but man, Kawhi is a man possessed as well. Uh, and I'll t- I know we're going to talk about him a bit uh, in our player props video as well because, uh, yeah, he looks really, 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 really good. Uh, and that'll be an interesting game. But so did Book, by the way, on defense give him a quick shout out uh an interesting thing there too just so you know that Kawhi has guarded KD the third most minutes of any player in the last 10 years Uh, a couple other guys out there as well uh, Trevor Ariza and uh, PJ Tucker and the reason I know that is for the Zach Lowe podcast shout that out thought that was super interesting at any rate let me go to my last pick here Nate and I'm just going back to what I know man uh, and that is the Knicks and the Cavs and I'm gonna take a bet that is for either of these teams to win by five or less Uh, there's something called like a three-way margin on DraftKings which is where I find that and I get two to one on my on my money there uh, and feel pretty good about it about one you know one of these teams winning by about that many points because uh, I, I think it's going to remain close and and there's going to be plenty more bad shooting there's going to be plenty more a uh, Julius Rand, uh, Randall sort of manhandling Evan Mobley and putting him on his hip and just keeping him where he wants him on the floor because that was a big reason for Mobley having such a poor night from the floor as well and he might be a little bit overmatched in this series with the bodies that they're able to throw at him this is one of the only teams I think that could probably frustrate him as much as they have um and just going back to you know some of the other stuff that we were talking about at least i was uh in in the game before i think cleveland is going to come out hot and and i do expect donnie mitchell i'm just considering him to have over eight and a half points in the first quarter as you get plus 105 there uh on DraftKings for him to have nine points in the first i do think they come out sizzling i do think that half that that quarter is likely to be one of the more high scoring quarters uh in this game that we don't both like points for sure uh keeping it low but that's another reason that I think you you feel good about this game above uh, more more so than the other games sticking within five points. Um, I, I mean that four or five matchup we just talked about with with the Clips and the Suns. Another similar s- 
scenario. But when you're talking about the other matchups, obviously the Nets and the Sixers, and you start talking about um, the two versus seven in the East as well with uh, that you spoke about in the first uh, pick here with the Hawks and the Celtics, it's too much variance, too much, too many good shooters that could just have an off night here and there for the Celtics. There's like eight great shooters that, you know, they're probably going to be able to hit at least 15, 16 threes, but there's just too much variance for me to feel as good about this game where uh, the, the percentages for these two teams, I mean, the Knicks shot 42% from the field in that last game, 27% from three. Uh, and the, the, the Cavs were not much better, 43% from the field, 32% from deep. I talked about how many open shots the Knicks missed. And to, to be fair to the point you were making about that there's bad shooters out there, yeah, that's going to continue to be the case. Josh Hart is going to be playing a lot of minutes, which is going to take one shooter off the floor. Quentin Grimes has not been a good shooter in a while. And uh, Julius Randle, you know, who I think you're probably ready to fade uh, in this in this game too, for good reason. I mean, he has not been a good shooter even before that injury. Uh, he was having some some struggles, really regressing back down to less than three point three threes made on ten uh, more than ten attempts. Uh, so dead, you know, well below thirty percent there for his shooting, around twenty seven percent from deep, which is going to be what he keeps doing, especially because I don't know that he has um, the ability to to move off of that ankle fast enough to get by and and try to use his his quickness that he has over only over bigger guys like maybe Jared Allen. He's one of the only guys he has that quickness on at this point. Even Evan, Evan Mobley is more fleet of foot than J, Jay Randall, especially with that injury. So without him able to really, you know, be a secondary, like really strong scorer, but I, you know, Jalen Brunson still loving to play against Donovan Mitchell and, and, and being able to watch that one-on-one battle with two teams that do not get a lot of assists. The Knicks get the, the third fewest in the league uh, and, and the Cavs, the 10th fewest. Like there's just a lot of reason to think it's going to be more Slabanaka type of basketball, uh, which does lead you to believe five points is about the max in terms of how many you know points one of these teams is going to win by yeah because there's just not enough possessions down the stretch necessarily for teams to pull away which is why i'm giving you shit for not for not just taking plus five for going plus nine i mean for for sure i mean the knicks could lose by six points here and you could be like damn what a bad beat uh if you also get the under but you you got to think the Cavs played at the slowest, second slowest pace in crunch time. The Knicks did not have a particularly good crunch time offense, and that was without Randall playing on one leg. Like you're saying, it's it's also a tough matchup for Randall against Mobley and Allen. And I mean, unless he shoots the, the lights out, I, I don't think there's enough offense here. Again, I just think you you're going to see continued under here. But what you're saying about the first quarter, first half makes a lot of sense. Cavs coming out hot. So I would keep your eye on the live betting option here, and I think you'll be able to click under when it's like 220 as if these teams come out a little strong offensively. But relying so much on one guy for both teams, it's bound to start yeah. slowing down and, and in terms of the points down the stretch. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, definitely not not trying to be too clever here with an over in this one. Um, but in that second pick, I just, I like I said, feel so comfortable teasing it to add and adding a few more units on it. But you're listening to the lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sports books all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. 
Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. We don't know how we did on Monday night because we are getting ahead of these lines recording for you guys on Tuesday, but I think we feel pretty good about the picks. So let's just assume that we hit it at least a 75% clip and run right into your first NBA play a prop for tonight, Nate. Yeah. I mean, this has something to do with the, the pick on the, in the best bets, which is Kevin Durant and Devin Booker to both score 25 plus. I'm looking at KD 33 and a half points and assists. It's minus one away at MGM. Pretty good odds there. And I will also throw in maybe even more confident. I think I will go one and a half units for this big spike here, plus 115 at FanDuel for him to hit three threes. Um, something he's done in six straight home playoff games, hitting 3.3 uh, at a 42% clip, also averaging 32 points per game, nine rebounds, six assists, you know, doing what he does to carry that Nets team that was missing guys or, you know, guys were just out to lunch, whatever you want to say. Uh, it is a different situation now with the Suns as he continues to try to kind of fit in. And it was a bit awkward there in their first playoff situation where it was just like, all right, who's the closer? Because like you really have a 1A and 1A option with Book and KD. Um, I mean, but so only a 20 and a half percent usage rate for Kevin Durant. He still scored 27 points and he only got one field goal attempt down the stretch in nine minutes because Kawhi Leonard was uh, face guarding him basically. And, you know, the Clippers mixed things up. They wanted to use him. I mean, Ty Lue, it seemed like it's kind of an ace in a hole. All right, we're going to go to Kawhi on KD down the stretch. That's going to be the difference. Kawhi won't show you any emotion, but he has to be gassed after after doing that on Sunday. For this to only have one day of rest, it's almost like a, a back-to-back in the playoffs. And how often have we seen Kawhi Leonard play like 27 minutes uh, and then the Clippers just wave the white flag? They, they got what they needed here in Phoenix. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some sort of like weird pulling of the chair. I know this is the playoffs and not the regular season, but they still manage things. This is their MO, Josh. I don't want to hear about Kawhi going over, but go ahead. Tell you're me why you think it. he's going to duel. You're going to sit there and you're going to take it. No. I, I, uh, yes, we are definitely deferring in, in our, our theories about how this next game is going to go. I will say, um, why do you sit? What, what, why do you sit? He he sits to play right now. And and that's what kind of my pick is. I'll just move on to my Kawhi pick um, because I, I also have another one, but I'll start there because it is relevant here. And it's it's relevant to the theory you're talking about where, um, you know, first of all, I'm not even gonna touch that. He, he's going to play 38 minutes at least, maybe 40. So like that's going to happen uh, because that's why he rests is for this moment. And, and he started to ramp that up at the very end of the regular season just to get a few games under his belt without PG in there playing that many minutes because he played at least 36 36. <laughs> 
minutes in the last four games of the season, um, which is when he also went off uh, in his last four games of regular season, including this last one, his last five, all without uh, Paul George, 31 a game, eight and a half boards and four and a half assists in 38 minutes to get ready for that with the 30% usage to get ready for the 30% usage that he put out there in, in game one. Yeah, Kawhi is out there having to guard uh, KD at this point as well because really at this there's nobody else on the team that's been able to do any you know nearly as good of a job and it, that's going to continue to be the case. I mean, even KD has a great interview talking about Kawhi, who's the best defender in the league according to him, who can guard everybody as KD says except for me because he is seven feet tall and can shoot over him. That's why his twenty percent usage rate, like you talked about, still afforded him. Tw- he still got twenty seven points out of that, and he'll continue to, to be able to do that. But I think that twenty percent usage rate also has to be taken into consideration because of Kawhi uh, being out there and and ball hawking him and and sort of face guarding him, uh, which you talked about a little bit as well. But I'm going to take Kawhi's uh, points and assists in this one, Nate, for for his prop, uh, which is over 36 and a half. And I can get uh, minus 102 on FanDuel with that pick. Uh, I I think, you know, one of the first things I'm talking about here is he was kind of right, maybe to take off all that time during the regular season. So he'd be ready for right now. So he could just go bonkers. Um, And I kind of already told you about what he did in the end of the regular season to get ready for this. Um, and if you look at his last three playoff games, I mean, I know I have to go all the way back to a couple seasons ago when he got hurt for all that time against Utah um, and, and they ended up winning without him. But in the last two versus Utah plus this one, uh, so his last three overall, 34 a game and eight boards uh, and then four and a half assists there. Uh, I should be clear. I meant the boards. I want the the points and rebounds is what's over 36 and a half for him. I feel better about that than the assists in this one. I do not see him facilitating. They're going to have to really force that ball out of his hands um, as he did, like I said, had that 30% usage rate where, I, I mean, to to be fair to Monty Williams, there were some double teams on Kawhi and they did really get it out of his hands, but there was a decent amount of ball movement and like, say what you want about Russell Westbrook, but eventually he stopped shooting after going three for 19 from the field, um, or at least enough to be able to, you know, just focus on his hustle plays uh, and get the ball over to Kawhi or at least around the perimeter so that it either ends up in his hands or hopefully uh, Eric Gordon's hands, or if uh, worst comes to worst, um, it's in Zubach's hands to, for his one-on-one matchup with with Aiden that he did super well with. Um, Trey Man, he's uh, or, yeah, not Trey Man. Sorry, uh, Trey, who am I thinking of? <laughs> Terrence Mann. Terrence Mann. I'm brain farting all over the place. Terrence Mann, not to be confused with Trey Mann on the Thunder, uh, missed a ton of shots, which is another reason I don't feel comfortable taking any kind of assist prop uh, for Kawhi or anybody else that's going to have the ball in their hands a ton. Um, but I, I like his points, and, and I like what he does when he when he's has to guard KD, where you know he's going to be in there getting a ton of minutes um, and has done that a lot You know, over, over the past seven times that they've played each other. He's averaging 34 a game uh, in those games against KD. So he obviously likes playing against him, guards him a lot doesn't get bothered by it so uh i'm i'm gonna go ahead and take Kawhi actually in the over in this one yeah the spacing is just gonna be abysmal um when you have terrence Mann and russell westbrook on the floor at the same time and a center i i just don't understand the suns played really good defense other than just lapsing and letting Kawhi shoot down the stretch um i mean and he had a monster game that's why you rest yes so you can come out in game one on long rest and just look like an absolute superstar but can he do that after one day off? Does he need to do that? Or is he going to prepare? You know, the Clippers have home court advantage now. Yeah, Are they going to need him to be rested and on at the height of his powers in game three? Because he is the franchise, right? There's no Paul George probably for this entire series. There's almost nothing on offense to scare you other than Norman Powell, who, by the way, I do like 15 points for Norman Powell because of that. Okay. Uh, I think he will be playing more and Westbrook will continue to shoot less. But I'm going to move on from this one. 
We'll uh, we'll do a bet of six back there on Kawhi going under that total. But I'm going under here with Julius Randle, yeah boy, because he's playing on a bum ankle to a degree, but also just because it's a really tough matchup for him against double rim protectors, Mobley and Jared Allen. We remember what happened in the playoffs last uh, two years ago after his huge uh, most improved season. He only averaged 18 points per game on, yikes, 30% field goal shooting against the Hawks. Never got above 23 points. And that's where his prop is at here. 23 and a half points. uh, Minus 113 at FanDuel. He had 19 points in game one, despite shooting 20 times on that bum ankle. Seven for 20. Um, He did blow up for 36 points against the Cavs on on January 24th. you know, shot eight for 12 from three. That's just the complete anomaly. I don't think with, with one ankle bothering him, he's going to get many good looks from three or, or be able to hit them. Um, you know, his previous five against the Cavs, 17 points per game, 30% from three, uh, an offensive rating below a hundred. And <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean, I think this really just dovetails into why we both like Jalen Brunson again. Because the, if as long as the Cavs don't necessarily make the move to put Evan Mobley on Jalen Brunson, there's nobody who's going to guard him. And I'm kind of yeah. interested why they don't do that. I, I think he's quick enough to to bother him and are very rangy. Uh, I, I would do that because I think you can still guard Jared Allen with Randall. But right now it's Mobley on Randall, and that's going to limit him and force Jalen Brunson to pick up even more of the slack, just like he did in game one. Yeah. Yeah. Jay Randall was fine on defense against Mobley and, and played really well in that sense, mostly just by keeping him from from being able to get to the spots on the floor that he felt comfortable. Um, but on, on the other end of the floor, Evan Mobley's defense is still awesome. Uh, and he's hard to move in that sense, even for Julius Randall, when he's able to sort of set himself against a, a Jay Randall backing him down. Randall doesn't really have the ability to back him down right now. I think that's a little bit more contact than he and his uh, ankle would like to, to you know undertake. So uh, yeah, it makes sense that he's going to keep shooting threes, which he's done poorly uh, as of late as well, which I believe we talked about in the last 10 games of the season for Jay Randall. That he's played anyway you know under 30 percent from deep still taking 10 threes so uh i would i would feel good about mobley being able to get out on him over there and yeah the 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 turnovers man five turnovers for him last game and something that he'll continue to struggle with as he forces things i was happy to see as a knicks fan that he deferred a bit more in the second half like might as well just go ahead and do that as well because to be honest like you know there was a lot of wasted possessions at times and 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 fewer than than randall has given us at times this year but there's there's an opportunity to be even more efficient especially if jay brunson's on the floor uh and not getting into foul trouble like he did in this last game which is why i think he's good to go over uh again and if you you know there's a couple ways you could play him you get 24 and a half points for him it's minus 120 on DraftKings, which is not as good as a little bit more juice minus 113 on FanDuel. uh but you add a point there he needs to get 26 in that sense I, i think he's still good for it he's definitely i think he's good for closer to the 27 i think that's the 26 and a half would be a better uh more fair if you will prop for Jay Brunson tonight so I'm happy to go over what they're giving us here um yeah let's just start with what he's done in in four career playoff games without Luka playing where he played three with the Mavs uh 31 a game four and a half assists there uh then he just had the 27 points uh the other night with a couple assists and a couple boards as well um but yeah I mean he's also just loves playing Donovan Mitchell uh in the last 10 games that they've played each other you know which includes the playoffs uh last year where he you know he was getting plenty of second unit minutes and then he got back on the floor as well for the 
those first unit minutes with, with Luka and the Mavs, uh, but he was cooking, man, and, and it was a one-on-one matchup in Utah as well with he and Donnie, just like it was in Cleveland, where they guarded each other for about five minutes each, uh, and in those last 10, t- 27 points a game for uh, Jay Brunson here with four and a half assists, three three and a half boards, and a 31% usage rate, but that was up to 39 in game one, and, and I think you can expect that. In the second half, it was up to about 40% because he wasn't really able to play much in the first half, uh, and in the fourth quarter especially, it was 47%. He was taking half the team's shots. He had nine points in nine minutes uh, in that game as well, in, in the fourth quarter uh, of that game as well, because he's going to continue to be the clutch man for them. Um, and yeah, and, and I also just wanted to quickly mention how much he loves playing with Josh Hart. And so there's, you know, as someone who, who hates to watch this stifled Knicks offense when they really don't have another offensive weapon like Emmanuel quickly on the floor, someone who can create offense. I am happy with Josh Hart to be taking those minutes from him. And if, if, you know, if Quentin Grimes is going to be a a better defender uh, on Donovan Mitchell than any other option, then you got to keep him out there. But main point being like without quickly, he's going to have, he's going to be the go-to guy and the playmaker loves playing with Josh Hart. When they were on the floor uh, together in game one in 18 minutes, there was the Knicks had 139 offensive rating in those 18 minutes. Um, And they would have spent more time together if, if Brunson didn't miss so much of the first half. So 27 a game also over the last 15, uh, which is the time since Josh Hart joined for Brunson. They just, they love playing together. They have since they won two championships in college. Uh, and it's a great addition to the team. The reason that I, I'm going to continue to take Brunson's points. He's just got so much in his bag, man. It, it's, it's so impressive to watch him work. And it's just, like I said, it's, it's a matchup that the Cavs don't have an answer for where they have an answer for a lot of other big wings or forwards or centers, but it's just, they, they haven't been able to do anything with JB. He had a career high 48 against them in March yeah, Donnie Mitchell coming right back. Yeah, they they just they they're gonna duel each other down the stretch. It's the only way the Knicks are gonna be able to score consistently, especially if Randall continues to look hobbled. Yeah, it, it's gonna that's gonna be it because it's either crash the offensive board to get those second chance points again, or uh, you know he's gonna have to continue to make shots at the clip that he did in that second half. So that is all the time we have for you in this one. Make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Check out our best bets video as well from the Tuesday night slate in these playoffs. And until we see you next, happy betting. Don't stop, don't stop, don't stop, don't stop.